5: I'm U.S. Senator Debbie
1: Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
6: Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, that, of course, the opening from the from Star Trek: The Original Series, which featured uh, the voice of William Shatner there, who played. Uh, Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. William Shatner at age 90 will be the oldest person to go into space this week. Last week when it was all over the news, I uh, focused our Schlocktober celebration, which is where we play a different horrible recording or, or bad idea for a song every day in the month of October. And I did several from uh, William Shatner. We'll do another one after he goes into space. The the uh, the launch is, is kind of up in the air, no pun intended, um, because of weather. But uh, we'll get back to that today. Our Schlocktober pick of the day is Granny Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. Eileen Dunn, I think, is uh, the actress, Uh I think that's her name. And uh, and it's a it's a fun piece that's coming up uh, right after the ten o'clock hour. But we've got a great show in store today, coming up in the uh, third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk with um, Jerry Hyde from the U.K., who is a uh, psychotherapist. Uh, and author of a new book called *Empathy for the Devil: Make Your Demons Work for You Without Selling Your Soul*. In the uh, second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about uh, some Texas history um, with uh, the author of uh, a book called *Gone to Texas* or *Gone to Dallas*, I think. And. Uh, it's uh, set in, in the pioneer days, a wagon train headed to uh, Dallas and, and the uh, heroine who takes up uh, residence, uh, Morgan Darnell is is her name. But the um, author's name is Lori Moore Moore. That's right, it's M-O-O-R-E-M-O-O-R-E. dash M-O-O-R-E. Her maiden name and her married name were both Moore. And uh, we'll be talking with her. But coming up uh, in, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk with uh, Kevin McCarney, who is um, the author of a new book called Big Brain, Little Brain. Interesting, uh, interesting conversation to be sure. But first, since we have a little bit of time and it's getting it's we're starting to approach Halloween, I always play this song and you hear this melody a lot because it's part of the uh um, oh part of the intro and outro for uh schlocktober and it's the music bed for our spot about going to hell with armchair politics on the 27th but here's the uh, here's the full song you probably hear this another couple times during the month but from my good buddy Steve McComb in the nashville office uh, from his cd come on in we hear uh, spider to the fly and then we'll get right into our interviews Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program. I guess this hour is uh, the author of uh, a new book called "Big Brain, Little Brain: How to Control Which One Speaks for You." It's by Kevin Thomas McCarney, who joins me by phone. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the show.
7: Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me here, sir.
2: Let me let me ask you this, um, <laughs> just out of curiosity big brain little brain what does that mean i always thought it was sort of an either or proposition
7: yeah you know it, <laughs> it took it took me <laughs> uh, it took me so long to sort of try to refine this into something that was simple uh to even for myself to understand but basically you know, that we have the neocortex, the big thinking part of our brain, the, the top part where we keep all of our information and we know exactly what we should say. And then there is the more emotional reptilian brain, that fight or flight brain. And it has an a, impact on our communication. And it does because there's so many things happening at one time. But big brain, you know, we we all like, oh, yes, I know exactly what to say. Everything's going good. Your big brain's in control. But then something happens. Somebody annoys you. Something. Uh, somebody cuts you off in traffic or or says something you don't like. And all of a sudden, yet that little brain gets activated and it wants to get be a part of the discussion. And so what big brain, little brain is about is about keeping that, the, the big brain in control of the conversation and keeping the little brain out of the conversation because the little brain is going to be far more uh, emotional. The little brain is that impulsive part of us that that sarcastic snarky uh, careless that you know where we snap you know and that doesn't create trust where the big brain when it's in control it's genuine and empathetic it's very thoughtful good listener and it creates trust and it creates a positive ripple effect in a conversation and so the idea is sometimes we have to choose to make sure that our big brain stays in control because there's a lot of influences that, that, want to bring little brain into the, into the picture. You see it in the news a lot right now with people, they're not getting their food on time at a restaurant and and they, they let their little brain take over and they start yelling or screaming. You see it in travel. People, uh, totally overreacting in travel situations because they have so many influences on them. They are tired. They're hungry. They're not certain. There's so many different things affecting them. That's where little brain that's little brain territory. Little brain says, ah, I I'm going to take over this. Cause I have a right to say something. I have a right to be angry. And that's where big brain comes in and goes, no, just take it easy. We, we can get through this moment. It's just a moment and it will pass.
2: Well, oh, this is fascinating because I talk a lot with people about um, different things that that are in the news, um, politics and current events and things you know sometimes with authors, sometimes with uh, uh politicos and so on and there's this thing going on kevin that that makes me a little bit <laughs> little brain is um this notion that that when people disagree they become disagreeable in other words you don't agree with me so you're a moron that's a that's a, that's a really i like the
7: way you put it because they disagree they become disagreeable that's a, a really good way to put it because that's exactly what's happening it, and i think a lot of it is because you know and i don't want to blame just the word media on everything but we we've take we're taking information from so many no, different sources. No, but the sources. media
2: certainly puts a spotlight and an amplifier on, oh, yeah. on the conversation. It does. And and what it, what it does is it we've been trained over the last I'd say
7: decade and a half more than it before uh, especially with social media. I'm in the restaurant business and um, so what I learned when I was standing behind the counter for the first 7 years is that I'm in the business of serving people with low blood sugar and they come in and they are hungry and that hunger has a physiological impact on them. And sometimes they're not as pleasant as, as they normally are, you know, and I, and it, it, what happens is it gets so hungry. Sometimes they order the wrong thing and then they get the wrong thing and then they get, they go ballistic. And you see it in the news right now where people are overreacting because, they they're in in the restaurant situations they're hungry, but in other situations it's other physiological things that are that are affecting them. Could be the heat, it could be the the, the cold, it could be my kids it, call when they're traveling. That,
2: my kids call that being hangry.
7: Yeah, and
2: it's <laughs> some it's
7: it's it's so prevalent now, and and yet it still doesn't give people an excuse to to go to overreact and and start yelling at people. And what happens is that. When people get activated, when there's, they get annoyed, there's a pet peeve, somebody cuts them off in a conversation, uh, uh, disrespects their, their team, you know, they, they, there's a – I think social media has given us this, right, oh, you have to immediately go and say something. You have to immediately w- w- say something back if somebody says something that bothers you. And this is where big brain, little brain comes in.
2: More about Big Brain, Little Brain, how to control which one speaks for you, with author Kevin Thomas McCarney straight ahead. Hello, out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger, T I double that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner
1: program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
6: This is Congressman Dan Kildee and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More
2: about big brain, little brain, how to control which one speaks for you with author Kevin Thomas McCartney straight ahead.
7: Uh, there's actually a space in our head. I, I call it neutral. A guy named Victor Frankl from the 40s, he was, survived four different concentration camps and wrote a great book called Man's Search for Meaning. And it, he said between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And so in the book, we identify this as neutral, that even when you're upset, even when somebody is is goading you and pushing you, or even we have a different situation where, where you may feel you have a right to lash out or snap at somebody, that's where you need to get to neutral. And instantaneously, you can take a very quick moment and become aware of the moment you're in and realize, oh. I better make sure my big brain takes over here because if little brain is allowed to to finish this conversation, it's going to create a mess. I have to clean up later. And you see it all the time with people where they get surprised in a situation and all of a sudden they snap and, and they, they say something and they're, they're looking for a way to apologize. So many times this has happened. It happened to me one time when I walked into my house uh, after 19 days, 19 hour day, and I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to relax. It's going to be so pleasant. And I walk in, and there's 20 choir kids singing and, and dancing, uh, singing at the top of their lungs. <laughs> and I, open, I opened the door, and I went, okay, what do we have here? And it's like, it was like <laughs> this came out, that, that energy that was built up inside came out in this word, okay. And in that nice tone of voice, which made everybody feel more comfortable. And, and because I had I, forgotten about this event that they were going to have. And what you realize is that that initial expression uh, of yeah, frustration, if if, if, even if you're frustrated, I call these neutral words that we can use under pressure situations. And I give examples in the book and I tell people they probably already have their own neutral word in their environment that they use. Mine is okay. And you've got to be said in the right tone of voice. Because ultimately, and this is one thing we talk about a lot, is that the tone is the message. Because in that same situation, if I had said, okay, what's going on here? Okay, it's almost exactly
2: the same words, but it's a completely different message. And well, so we have to control our tones. You know, you said something about uh, people coming into your restaurant ordering the wrong thing. And then having an unpleasant experience because of it. And, you know, that... It- Compounding already a uh, possibly uh, already bad mood, and and it flashed through my head. I ha- I have these little life hacks, and and one of them is uh, don't order seafood in a steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, yeah, you, you know, know it's it's yeah. You want to you don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, exactly. You know if a place has a specialty, go with the specialty. You know not just. You know, whatever I'm in the mood for, and now this place has to bend its, you know, its creations to my cravings. Yeah. And, and and in restaurants, I'm sorry, go ahead. Steve. No, no, jump in, please. Restaurants
7: are a microcosm of society, and you see it all across the board. And what we don't realize is that a lot of situations we're seeing on the news is just it's, it's a snippet of, of what's happened. and And we don't always know the whole story behind things. It still doesn't get people excused to get physically uh, violent. And this big brain, little brain has a lot to do with controlling the conversation and keeping the conversation conversational and not letting it get confrontational. We had a situation in one of my restaurants where two ladies walked in the door. One ordered enchiladas, the other ordered a salad. They went and sat down. We delivered the food five minutes later. And about five to eight minutes later, the lady with the enchiladas comes back up and slams the enchiladas on the counter and 50 people in the restaurant, and she screams at the top of her lung, you, these enchiladas are cold. And so everybody now in the restaurant is in this conversation. And so the manager says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll get you some new ones made right away, I'll bring them right out. And he does. He gives them out to her, has them for about seven or eight minutes, she comes back up, slams them on the counter, you made these enchiladas cold again, really loud. Not knowing anything about what was ha- was happening with this lady, the manager says, listen, I so apologize. Let me get you something else on the menu. Anything on the menu and it'll be on me because because of the situation. She says, fine, give me some of those taquito thingies. And he does. Brings them out to her. Ten minutes later, he's got a line to the door. He notices she hasn't taken but one bite of, of the taquitos. And it, he can't get over to her because he wants to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, he feels a hand on his arm. And it's the lady with the enchiladas. And she says... Thank you, and everybody in the restaurant is watching this. And thank you wasn't what they were expecting. And he says, "Oh, you you, you like the food?" He says, no. "She says, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, the food's fine." I apologize. He says, "I haven't slept in days. I, I I haven't eaten in days. My husband is in the hospital. It's not going well. There's nothing I can do. I didn't mean to take it out on you." And so with that, the entire restaurant melts and the manager and the lady hug each other and the, uh, they <laughs> and she, she left. And and that was it. So it was one of those things where we couldn't see what was going on in her life. But because he used the right tone of voice and kind of brought her back, instead of just trying to win the argument about the temperature, right? Instead of trying to win that argument, instead of, and instead of just saying, "Hey, I'll give you your money back. He used the right tone of voice and and went so big, for her, he was going to give her anything on the menu. And what it did is, it let her realize that she was out of uh, – out of and she was in the little brain. And so she apologized for it. And the customers around really came up back later and thanked the manager for the way he handled it. But it is that tone of voice, even under pressure situations, where you can take control of that moment. You, your tone of voice can control the entire conversation. And in this case, he didn't escalate his tone and follow her into and being angry at her because she was yelling at him. This is where big brain, little brain comes in. It can give you control even in the highest pressure situations.
2: And I've noticed that there's there's a, a problem that occurs sometimes between people when they're trying to communicate electronically um, through email or something. The person reading the email is reading it in the voice of the mood they're in. Yes. And, That's brilliant. And, Thank you. And, and very often will think that the person that has written something to them is barking at them or, or upset with them in some way or challenging them in some way, and it, and it has nothing to do with the words on the screen. It's the way it it's is. being read.
7: Well, and because tone is, is invisible, uh, and emojis don't quite get the tone right, uh, all the time, but it, 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 and I think that digital communication is, is, is better for information than it is for communication. I'll meet you here at this time. Uh, this is going to cost this much, but it's not for communication because I think it, 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 it it's missing a huge component of communication. And, and it's, it's exactly what you just described. People are in the mood that they're in when they write something. And then it could be, you know, five, or 10 minutes later, somebody gets this and they think, Oh, I can't believe they said that. And they and they, they go into an entire diatribe where they go back in back and forth in a negative communication because they they think that's the tone it was spoken in. And so that yeah. you're right. It is the it is the mood that they're in that they either write it or accept it. And 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 that's where I think lots of times if you get it we talked about this, there's different levels of time levels of different communications, but I think that one of the things you can do is if you get a little brain uh, email from somebody or something that feels like it's a little brain, uh, pick up the phone. You know, don't email back right away. And just, you know what, I will have to get back to you tomorrow. Give yourself a time parachute. When you're under pressure, you get something like this. Instead of thinking you need to respond, you just go, you know what, let me think about this for a little bit. And, well, and, and you talked yourself-
2: about that space between, you, you know, um, contacts. You know, someone says yes. something, and then there's a space, and someone says something back to them, and and I try and put that space in, and I, I I try to correct myself and say, oh, they couldn't possibly have meant the way I read that, and you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt and respond accordingly instead of responding to what I think was being said, and, and that seems to have helped. I, I I have a lot less of those things turn into confrontations because I take the, the extra minute or the extra time, but I think your idea is even better. Pick up a phone, you know, and yeah, confirm, it, and confirm it, it, what the mood it, is. Well, that and plus you, you get the tone of voice
7: on the phone. That's a, the minimal component you need in a communication. But you're right about... You know, just you always respond with your big brain, even if they're responding with their little brain. You always take the big brain away and, and, and respond uh, properly and professionally and, and with the courtesy. And it will often bring them back to their own big brain. But, and again, I've, I've been demonstrating this for years for different high school kids and college kids and even small businesses that it's, you know, we're all in the people business. And and this this uh, communication that we go through, this interpersonal communication, the, what we what we grow up with is what we learn how to communicate. So whatever environment you're in, that's the, the limit of of your communication skills unless you improve them, unless you look for avenues to improve your your communication skills. Because most people think, well, I don't need to learn how to communicate. and I know how to talk, right? I was like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, <clears throat> tour guide Universal Studios when I was 19. I I thought I knew how to talk to everybody. And you know, I I get this one tour of people from Europe, they were angry because of the three hour wait. And and they were just angry at me. And you could just tell they were just, they were just so upset. We don't want to go on this tour, let us out of here. And I just you know, I I get above my pay grade, I can't do that. And so I was going to give them a horrible tour, my 19 year old snarky kid, right? Because 19 year olds, I know everything. Um, And Instead, I see the front row of the second car, a family from the Midwest with their T-shirts from uh, the football team they love. And they were there with big smiles. They got mixed in with this group. So I looked and it in an instantaneous moment, and I didn't realize I had this in me. I switched from being that snarky 19-year-old that wanted to get back at this big group for being angry at me. <laughs> it, and, and I gave a great tour to that family. And by the end of the tour, everybody had come along the tour, except for the leader who was yelling. And they said, ah, he's always grumpy. They all complimented me at the end, but the family from the Midwest had waited for me and said, listen, the father said, you know, you really turned that group around because they were not happy. And I looked at the family. And I go, you actually turned that group around. It was your smiles that, that, that signaled to me that I, I could switch here and, and give a different tour. And uh, so the mother grabs my shoulder she says listen this is the only time we'll ever be able to afford to come to california we just want to thank you for giving us that tour because it just made our vacation oh, she man. said chose and i gotta tell you something when she said chose i went whoa oh yeah i chose to give that tour and that's one of the things that really started me on this this trek on uh, of, of this book taking notes about how I communicated in different situations and how other people did it. And it was that that we all have a choice in every communication there, no matter what somebody says, no matter what somebody does, it's still our choice in how we respond. We have that space and we get to choose. And so it's our duty to choose
2: big brain and not let little brain take over. Flip Wilson um, has a line. He claimed that he overheard at the uh, luggage uh, lost and found counter at LAX. He said a woman said to the clerk, said, you just flew me 600 miles in the dark and found Los Angeles. You can find my bags. <laughs> you know, I, well, I love, at least she was trying
7: to use humor. You know, at least, at least yeah. humor, was, humor can be a little bit of a buffer in these situations. And, and I think that that's a, that's a great point because we don't know, we don't have control over so many situations in our life. You know, we have so many things happening today, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic, right? And the first response, the little brain response is to speed up and, and give a hand gesture to the person to cut you off, which is the worst thing you can do because if somebody else is in little brain mode, let them go. And if, if they're in a conversation and they're, they're in little brain mode, you know, just just let them make their comments without responding because he won't give it any weight. Well, and I and think that
2: this is a, this the is thing a skill that, that we have to learn. The thing that we don't do anymore, Kevin, is, you know, if somebody cuts you off, I take a beat and think, you know, it's entirely possible that was a boo-boo. <laughs> you know, yeah. they weren't doing anything disrespectful. To me, they made a you know they made a mistake, and I try and give people a little bit of room. You know, if yeah. somebody bumps into <clears throat> me, you know, in a line somewhere, I don't turn around and deck them. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's,
7: this is this is this this is the civility that the, that we grew up with, and we know. And uh, I'm not going to keep blaming social media, but I will say the social media has made us more impulsive and not given us that space of time to respond. And in a situation where something does go wrong, things will go wrong. And we just have to be accepting of that. Not every moment is going to go the way we want it. And our our job is to get to the other side of that moment and and have a positive ripple effect. Because every conversation, every interaction has a little bit of a ripple effect, a little bit of effect. And the ripple effect is is what's going to impact us in the future. And I think that when you look at the situation, when you look at the Civility that is, is being, has been lost, and and the basic courtesy that that we we've all had, we all grew up with, and not everybody has been um, given the lessons on basic courtesy. And I think that you know, I think that the uncertainty today, and I know that because of the pandemic and everything else, everybody's in kind of a if there was an anxiety schedule of or meter of one to ten, everybody's about an eight. So in these situations. Where, where little brain get, wants to take control, it doesn't take much to push people to 10. And that's where we have to take control and bring them back. That's where we have to say no, not going there. Favorite. Use your neutral word. Use that pivot word that out loud in a nice tone of voice that signals to you,
2: big brain, take over here because I don't want little brain to get me in trouble. Favorite joke I heard on uh, the television program, the West Wing, um, Martin Sheen playing the president. Uh, says to a group of people he says two politicians are arguing and one says to the other are you lying to me and he says yeah but hear me out <laughs> and know, <laughs> yeah. and and then that and the question becomes whether it's the flip wilson line or, or or that little joke where does humor factor into this because it can diffuse conversations that are, you know, starting to boil over. Is it a big brain function, or can humor exist in the little brain as well? It's a tricky component here. It is, it's a tricky area,
7: and you've got to make sure that if the other person's in big brain mode, they're going to, they're going to take it as, as a humorous one thing. But if you're not sure what mode every, the other person's in, um, it's always wise to stay away from a joke. You know, in the work environment, I tell people, listen, this week's joke is next week's visit to HR. So you've you got to be so careful with humor today uh, because everybody is accepting things in a different way. So I would shy people and tell people to shy away from humor if you can unless you know it's going to be taken well.
2: Yeah, that's. I, I wonder about people who make their living as comedians and, and how they are handling the change because people seem to be... Um, I, I, not just thin-skinned, but trolling for a fight. That's a really good way to put it, because I think we're all so filled with anxiety.
7: We're looking for a way to release it, and we think an, an argument's going to do that. And instead, an argument's just going to exacerbate it. And, and again, uh, if you look at the way social media is structured, it's structured in a way to make people uh, be uh, snarky at each other. If you look at you know the, the, all these platforms they know that they can get more people uh, involved and click more times if there is anger involved and it's the sensitivities are are definitely at the surface and so we've got to be careful in, in a lot of these pressure situations you know uh no matter what we want to say understand that the other person you know we have, we have to filter that with the other person's sensitivities and Oh, if they're sensitive about whatever subject, and I'll, I'll use a, a football team as an example. If you're a Michigan State person or if you're a Michigan person, right? <laughs> <laughs> and somebody says something about Michigan State, <clears throat> and you feel like, well, I have to defend Michigan State. And and so you, you think you have to rush into it online in, in conversations, and we don't.
2: You did your homework on that one, Kevin, because that's a big rivalry in Michigan
7: well, my, my mother was born in Detroit. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm, So you I'm know about the Michigan-Michigan
2: right. uh, State and game.
7: I, and I think that it becomes one of those, it, it's a perfect idea of how we deal with things. We get very personal about these things, and we think, well, you we have to respond. And this is where you've got to get to neutral and, and and pivot and become immediately aware of the moment you're in and go, oh, is this going to be the right time for me to say that? is this the right group of people for me to say this in? Let me take my time and, and, and think about what the ripple effect of my comments are going to be.
2: Well, it's it's a, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, Kevin, and I am so glad you are, are writing about it. And the book is uh, Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You by Kevin Thomas McCarney. Kevin, um... I appreciate you spending uh, time to uh, share your thoughts and some of the contents of the book. When does or did the book uh, come out officially?
7: The book came out this year uh, in, in, uh, in May okay. uh, and right in the middle of the pandemic. But, you know, uh, it's been doing well, and I feel good. It's uh, bigbrainlittlebrain.com if people want to get some free downloads on some worksheets of how they can handle and manage their, their little brain. Uh, and keep the little brain out of the conversation. Uh, And I respond to all of my emails uh, if they go to Kevin at BigBrainLittleBrain.com.
2: Well, Kevin, that was perfect because I always give guests an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more, and you led me right into it. Kevin, thank you so much for spending this time with me and talking about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Keep up the good work.
7: Tom, thank you. Thanks for the platform. I really appreciate it. We've got to get the world to neutral.
2: I, I'm all for that.
7: Yeah. All right, thank you, and again, uh, <clears throat> lots of family in 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 in, uh, in Michigan.
2: All right, well, take care, Kevin.
7: Thank you, sir. Bye,
2: bye. Bye. Again, Kevin Thomas McCarney. He is the uh, author of um, Big Brain, Little Brain: How to Control Which One Speaks for You. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Stra- mm-hmm.
0: Super bad transmittable, contagious awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad transmittable, contagious awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better (coughs) Now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the dots were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say: if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. damn important that we practice isolation because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation will overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Because it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the lesson to July a superbad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Hi, this
4: is Joe Vi from the Blue
9: Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses, scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at Michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
8: Start your weekend early with
2: it.
4: this
6: is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
1: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hempel.
4: do do Start
6: your weekend right. Go
2: to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program.
3: Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean to wash them regularly and always before meals with Lifebuoy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. go a message from the CDC and the Ad Council W.H.
2: Carver a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Carver a former National Security Advisor and Counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Wise- Carver's book *Twilight of Empire* shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. *Twilight of Empire* by W. H. Wise Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner Program, visit w.h.wisecarver.com. The Tom Sumner
4: Program.com. This is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Time Sumner Program. The Time Program.com The Time Sumner Program.com Program. Program. Program.
2: Ladies and Gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the
1: Bickersons. <laughs>
8: Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, 3 o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen.
5: It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls.
8: Yes, ma'am.
5: I'll bet you don't remember me.
9: No, ma'am.
5: Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago.
9: Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time.
5: Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that?
9: No, ma'am.
5: I wonder why.
9: I wouldn't know, ma'am.
5: Are you married?
9: No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register?
5: Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are.
9: Thank you. Is that Bickerson?
5: Yes. Didn't I sign it right?
9: Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night.
5: Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John? Where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John! Get out of that trunk, you darned fool! John! John! John!
8: Blanche, 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 shut the door. There's a draft.
5: Come out of that thing.
8: All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow, my hand!
5: Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow. I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a -a ragamuffin.
8: It's a nice muffin. Um, Grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche?
5: No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on!
8: Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I I want a room with a bed.
5: I've already signed it. You've got a room.
8: Good. Where are you going to sleep?
5: Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet.
8: I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room.
5: You had to talk like that in front of the clerk.
8: Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche?
5: I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door.
8: No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken down room?
5: This is the elevator.
8: (laughs) Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute.
5: I was afraid this would happen. I'd hope that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together.
8: Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out.
5: Every time I want you to be romantic. You're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart?
8: The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy.
5: You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning.
8: You won't have to.
5: Why not?
8: There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room?
5: I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator.
8: Oh, come on, will you, Blanche?
5: Well, say you're sorry.
8: I'm sorry. Now, where's the room?
5: Right in front of you, 318.
8: Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven, I gotta get some sleep.
5: Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark.
8: Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove.
5: I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage.
8: Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff?
5: You've got as much stuff as I have.
8: I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle.
5: You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it.
8: Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin.
5: That wasn't so terrible.
8: Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water.
5: Don't throw my things around like that.
8: There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses?
5: In the drawer.
8: Where do you want these drawers?
5: In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd changed the second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one.
8: Oh, no, it wasn't.
5: I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die.
8: I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. even tried to get me to marry you again.
5: Was that such an unreasonable request?
8: Yes. It isn't legal.
5: Why not?
8: A man can't be punished twice for the same crime.
5: Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shamed me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too.
8: Well, I wasn't going to have any formal a wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats.
5: There wouldn't have been any brats there at all.
8: How do you know?
5: Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th, no children expected.
8: Put out the lights.
5: I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John.
8: I see them every day on the shredded wheat box.
5: How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories.
8: Mm, Mmm, yeah.
5: Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John?
8: I think I left the water running in the bathtub.
5: John, you didn't!
8: Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche.
5: I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows?
8: Close the windows. You didn't
5: leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat?
8: Left enough for a week.
5: What did you leave him?
8: A six pound tin of corned beef.
5: Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat?
8: I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We
5: should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy.
8: Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation.
5: They are not.
8: They are too. When I left, the cat was fishing.
5: Fishing? Where?
8: In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait.
5: John Bickerson!
8: Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead.
5: Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show.
8: What for? He couldn't win anything.
5: Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats.
8: Go to sleep, will you, Blanche?
5: I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me?
8: Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning.
5: You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John?
8: It's only a clinker now.
5: (laughs) How can you say such terrible things to me?
8: Blanche, I'm so sleepy I don't know what I'm saying.
5: I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Goosby.
8: Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Goosby?
5: The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle you.
8: I never proposed to Gloria Goosby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose.
5: What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are.
8: I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Goosby is a cheap, chiseling bum.
5: He is. He's not. He's more generous than you.
8: Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No.
5: Would you give me a mink coat?
8: No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't.
5: Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel.
8: Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight.
5: No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me, and you go into a tantrum.
8: Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs.
5: Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, honey, honey. Honey!
8: Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night with broken down Don't
5: be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost.
8: He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache.
5: Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes... Your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Mm. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls.
8: Except you, Blanche.
5: Really, John? Why do you say that?
8: Because you never dry up either.
5: Good night, John.
4: The Tom Sumner Show Oh yeah A fashion radio For a new generation The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
8: You pilots get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Come on! Come on, get out of here!